LF podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. <laughs> we are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Justin Daggett, the owner and founder of Coyote Black. He is a cold brew fanatic, and he created Coyote Black because he believes Coyote style is the best way to cold brew coffee. Coyote style coffee have better flavors, smoother textures, and no sediment. Oddly enough, the style is mostly unknown, and even though cold brew has exploded in popularity the last few years. His first experience drinking out Coyote style cold brew was in 2011. That cup was not that great, evidently, but the experience of drinking it was so different that he had to pursue it. Kyoto style clearly has a lot of potential, and he wanted to unlock it. One year later, he created his first custom home brewer. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Justin Doggett. So Justin, tell us what you do in one to two sentences. So I'm the owner and founder of uh, Kyoto Black. So I uh, basically make cold brew and deliver it to customers who subscribe to it through my website. Awesome. And how did you get into being a coffee brewer? Just a coffee aficionado? Yes. Sit at Starbucks all day? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so when I first graduated from college back in 2011, mm. uh, there was a cafe in Hyde Park called Istria Cafe. Nice. And uh, I used to go there a lot to chill. And I really liked the coffee. It was great. And they uh, sold Intelligentsia coffee. And they also received their training from Intelligentsia, so it was really high level. Okay. I had never had coffee that good, mm-hmm. even though I'd been drinking coffee for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I started drinking coffee when I was 11, yeah. you know, just like <laughs> Sanka, like just sneaking my grandma's instant coffee, right? <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow, this coffee is so good. Um, when I graduated from college, I ended up applying for a job there just because I was looking for any job I could get mm-hmm. uh, really quickly. And uh, I ended up really liking it quite a bit. Nice. Uh, I was a minimum wage barista there mm-hmm. and eventually just kind of learned the craft. Okay. And I got scalped by a restaurant, actually. It's funny. Like, basically, they stole me from the cafe. <laughs> uh, how does that work? It's, like, I mean, I don't work in the coffee business at all. Is it mainly just how good of a like, personality you are, remembering customers kind of thing? Or do they yeah. come in and say, give me the coffee that you made today? Like, how do they kind of differentiate that kind of service? Like, how do they know that you're good at what you do? You mean from a restaurant standpoint? Mm-hmm. So I, well, I can talk a little bit about the experience for how I got into the restaurant. Perfect. Uh, so I was basically dining there. Okay. So it was next restaurant. Okay. Um, me and my dad went there to eat a few times. And uh, I have a shellfish allergy. Mm-hmm. And we had a little bit of a fiasco with trying to find out whether there was going to be shellfish in the food. Yeah. Turned out there was shellfish in everything. Wow. For that first one because it was a yeah. Thailand menu. Yeah. And uh, when we came back for the next menu, they remembered me. Mm-hmm. And they kind of liked the way I handled it. Um you know, the at, at my first visit when they told me I couldn't eat anything, mm. uh, and I was like, okay, that's fine. But they were like, uh, <laughs> we'll, yeah, they were like, we'll find a way to make this happen for you. Mm. And it turned out that Chef Atkins was in the restaurant. You know, okay. the head chef of the entire you know Alinea group was there, and uh, he decided that he was going to make a parallel menu for me, okay. uh, making substitutions for all the stuff that has shellfish in mm. it. And uh, so it was really cool. Like instead of using shrimp, he used lychee for one dish, nice. stuff like that. It was really, really interesting. And uh, after that, I got to meet him and, and shake his hand in the kitchen nice. and, and thank him. And it was a great experience. 
we came back for the next meal, mm-hmm. childhood, and uh, they all remembered me and we were making jokes and stuff. Yeah. And the GM came up to me and he said, hey, can I talk to you in the kitchen for a minute? Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I really like you and I think your personality kind of fits with what we're doing here. Nice. Would you like a job? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll take it. So got a huge pay raise mm-hmm. and uh, became a front waiter there. Okay. You know, or actually a food runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, became a food runner there first. And, uh, you know, kind of worked my way up to, you know, more permanent front of the house. But I also uh, managed coffee program a little bit while okay. I was there. Uh, and, you know, it was really just about, you know, great execution of coffee mm-hmm. within the theme because, you know, the menu changes right. uh, three times a year. Okay. So it's just like finding, okay, how can we tie coffee into this particular menu? Mm-hmm. And, you know, or sometimes just how can we offer just like a really cool coffee experience? Mm-hmm. So like one of the things we had to do, which was really nerve wracking for me, was for our VIP experiences. Uh, I would go and steam milk okay. in a like a little nook, mm-hmm. you know, make pull a shot, steam milk, and then come to their table and pour the latte and latte art right at their table. Awesome. Yeah, and that was like a little stressful because it was always for VIP, so mm-hmm. it's like don't mess this up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like one of the things we yeah. would have to do, and it's like it was pretty fun. I love good restaurants like that where you get kind of the presentation in front of you. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it costs more and like there's a lot of time involved in yeah. that, but it makes it so much more worth it. Yeah. I remember for Valentine's Day a couple years ago, we did something and it was a seven course meal. And mm-hmm. I didn't like half the meal we got. I mean, just out of preference. Right. But it was so worth it. It was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like, you enjoyed the experience. You appreciate what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's effort. It goes a long way. So. So how does someone differentiate good coffee from mediocre coffee, right? Like, mm-hmm. obviously, there's instant coffee and stuff like right. that. But uh, if you say you're going to, uh, what was the coffee shop you always went to, Intelligentsia? Or? So uh, the place that I worked at yeah. was called Istria. Istria. And they okay. used Intelligentsia coffee. Okay. And they had, like, you know, their whole training procedure was based on Intelligentsia. Okay. So that was the first co- uh, coffee place that I worked at. Um, but to differentiate, you know, like mediocre coffee mm-hmm. from like great coffee, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it really depends on the person. Okay. Um, I would say that generally instant coffee, mm-hmm. you know, it's not right. great coffee. It's, you know, just out of convenience. Mm-hmm. Some people prefer it. Right. So it's all about what you want, okay. you know, whatever experience you're looking for. Um, I don't believe in necessarily forcing people to think, oh, this is the best or this right. is great. I just put it out there and mm-hmm. let them decide if they gravitate towards it. But for me, great coffee has natural sweetness, okay. so it shouldn't need anything added to it. Whether you want to add something to it is your preference. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to tell anybody not to add anything to their coffee. But for me personally, I know that coffee has a lot of its own natural sweetness mm-hmm. and has a lot of its own natural mouthfeel. Okay. So I want to highlight that. Makes sense. So that, those are the real differentiators. The natural sweetness, mm-hmm. the clarity of flavor, so how clear it tastes on the palate, how clean it is, okay. if it's crisp. Uh, there are you know, varying degrees of acidity. Some people sit in the, I want super acidic coffee camp. Some mm-hmm. people sit in the, no acidity, just super smooth, chocolatey coffee mm-hmm. camp. Um, I think you can have great coffee in both experiences. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I offer coffees in both experiences right. as well. Um, for my flagship product, I decided to do something that was lower acid okay. because I found that that was the predominant thing people were asking for because in specialty coffee mm-hmm. it is kind of the zeitgeist okay. to think that only coffees with high acidity are great mm-hmm. so there are very few you know top of the line places that are offering darker roasted coffees okay. that are offering these lower acidic coffees mm-hmm. so. so then what's it called uh, when you are kind of uh, um an expert in the coffee when you're pairing it with the food. Is that also like a sommelier, like it is for wine? Or you know, 
I don't know if it has its own word okay. yet. I mean, people will simply say coffee sommelier, and okay. you kind of get the idea for mm-hmm. it. But yeah, um, that's still kind of an emerging thing right now. Right. Yeah. That's what so, yeah. No, I don't know if it, there's you know any particular word mm-hmm. that uh, encompasses that. But how do you kind of pair the coffee then? The different coffees with what people would be having food that day right like if mm-hmm. you have already have your preferences people like like their coffee usually one way mm-hmm. a majority of the time how do you kind of create that perfect kind of mix for them well you know for the most part people generally will get their coffee at the end of a meal mm-hmm. anyway so more so what i'm thinking is what kind of experience do i want to leave them with okay um typically it'll be like with a dessert Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, you know, a very simple pairing to make, uh, unless it's a, you know, like a dessert that has lemon mm-hmm. or some sort of citrus where you have to be much more careful. Like okay. for example, like lemon curd and coffee mm-hmm. don't really go together so okay. well. Uh, but if it's like a cake or, you know, something just a little more traditional mm-hmm. as far as the dessert goes, uh, the coffee is very easy. Okay. It just needs to be, you know, executed correctly. And then, uh, figuring out just kind of the format. Do you want to do it with milk? No milk. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do it warm or do you want to do it cold? Okay. Awesome. So walk us through kind of the steps you did to get the business started for Kyoto Style Coffee. Okay. So um, in about 2012, mm-hmm. uh, this is my first time having Kyoto Style Coffee. Okay. I was at Cafe Streets, okay. which is a cafe located here in Chicago. Nice. And at that time, they were one of the few places that were offering Kyoto Style Coffee, mm-hmm. which is a slow drip style of making cold brew. Okay. So just kind of they explain the difference between Kyoto Style and regular cold mm-hmm. brew. Uh, typically with cold brew, you would take ground coffee and you steep it in water. Okay. Like tea. Mm-hmm. Very loose, kind of free-floating coffee grounds in water. Okay. And you would take that and strain it, usually using a really fine mesh bag. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that would, you know, it's, it almost comes out like a French press, like mm-hmm. a cold, slow French press. You okay. let it sit for 12 to 24 hours, depending on the recipe, mm-hmm. and you have a cold brew. Nice. Uh, now, the difference between that and Kyoto style is Kyoto style uh, uses a special machine that mm-hmm. holds the coffee inside of a chamber. And then you slowly drip water, one drop at a time, onto the grounds. Okay. So it's like a slow percolation. It's mm-hmm. slow pour over, essentially. Okay. And because of that, you can get a clearer uh, coffee. Just how you notice when you have a French press, it's got a lot of sediment and mm-hmm. it's kind of murky. Okay. Well, you get that same experience in the cold brew. Okay. As opposed to when you do a drip coffee, it's much clearer and cleaner. Mm-hmm. And you also get a better extraction because it's more efficient. You're constantly adding fresh water to the system. Okay. So. Awesome. And so, like, steps of you starting the company were... You just decided one day, I'm going to start this company on my own, or? Yeah, so, uh, it, I kind of eased into it. Okay. So, essentially what happened was, uh, I was, I had my first Kyoto-style cold brew at Cafe Streets, mm-hmm. and I really liked it. You know, I thought it was, actually, I take it back, I didn't really like the coffee, because everyone was still figuring it out, so mm-hmm. it wasn't, like, the best coffee experience. Right. But I really liked the kind of mouthfeel and the experience. It was so different. Mm-hmm. So I told myself I would go and buy one of these Kyoto style brewers and start brewing at home. Okay. And then I went on Google and saw that they were like four hundred dollars each. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna build one instead. <laughs> yeah. So I started kind of MacGyvering one together. Okay. And went to the science surplus store and picked up a bunch of different things like a separatory funnel and a lab stand and started to build my own Kyoto style brewer nice. at home. And uh, I started to just kind of perfect the technique of it. And during this time, I was giving away a lot of coffee to my friends mm-hmm. uh, at jujitsu. So I've been training jujitsu for six years. Oh, cool. And uh, I was giving away to those guys for free. And eventually, they started asking me to bring more of it, and they would buy it from me. Mm-hmm. So I was filling up water bottles with cold <laughs> brew and selling them for $10 each yeah. to my friends. And I was doing this uh, 
at that same time, I wanted to leave the restaurant because I was working a lot of hours mm. and I just got married and my wife, she immigrated here from Japan. Okay. So she had a really hard time just kind of getting used to everything. I was mm. gone all the time and she was kind of stressed out about that because sure. she just left her family. Yeah. So I was like, I need a new job where I can spend more time with my wife mm -hmm. and I want to get back into coffee. Okay. So I decided to apply for a job as the uh, head trainer mm -hmm. at Metropolis. So, oh, nice. you know, they're a local coffee company. Yeah. They're like, I think the second largest uh, local coffee company here in Chicago. Oh, nice. So, excuse me. But in any case, though, um, come, coming over a cold a little bit. <laughs> but uh, in any case, though, I ended up getting the job there. Mm -hmm. And part of what helped me get the job was they had just bought four Kyoto-style brewers. Wow. And they did not use them. They were, <laughs> they were messing up the coffee a lot. They were yeah. wasting a lot of coffee. And uh, I told them that I had my own Kyoto-style brewer that I built at home. Mm -hmm. And I brought a sample of my coffee for them to taste. Nice. And they liked it. So I told them, I was like, hey, if you guys hire me, I'll help you figure out how to do this whole Kyoto-style thing. And, you know, like, yeah, let's do it. So I got the job. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, from there, I was getting an endless supply of free coffee because, right. you know, they're very gener generous with their uh, employees. So from there, I started to kind of just find, okay, what coffees do I like on this process? Mm -hmm. What's the differentiator? Like, what makes this great? Mm -hmm. awesome. And uh, from their catalog of coffees, I was able to nail two coffees that I felt like putting together and making a custom blend. Okay. That became my Kyoto Black Black Label, mm -hmm. okay. uh, which is just one of my blends that I do. And uh, from there, I decided, okay, am I going to brew coffee mm -hmm. and sell coffee? Or am I going to make the brewer and sell the brewer as a product okay. to people? Interesting. And uh, for a bunch of different reasons, I decided that the product would be better mm -hmm. rather than the brewer. I, it makes sense to me. I mean, I don't know much about like that industry. But if you were kind of hesitant to go buy your own mm -hmm. brewer for $400, mm -hmm. I can only imagine your price point is going to be something similar to that. Well, I could actually make it happen for cheaper. Okay. So that was the kind of idea was, okay, I could probably put together a brewer that I could charge $50 for okay. as a home brewer that people could use as the substitute. There are a couple different reasons uh, I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of them was there was already existing brewers on the market, so okay. we're kind of competing with those. Even though I kind of know the pain points of those two, mm -hmm. uh, once you're really steeped into the the world of cold brewing you really do understand functionally why certain things work and why other things mm -hmm. don't so i kind of peeped out all of the things that those brewers claim to do but how they actually perform the task is subpar okay they're using like kind of antiquated methods of doing it mm -hmm. just they had an opportunity to innovate the specific way of delivering the water and all that kind of stuff and they just didn't do it so right and that's what i was planning to do but i felt that um, enforcing, you know, a patent and, mm -hmm. you know, keeping, cause you know, you have the whole China effect. As soon as you start manufacturing something and it yeah. blows up, you, you're going to get ripped off, right. you know, by some large Chinese company. Mm -hmm. It's going to just crank them out. And, uh, what can you do about that? Yeah, so happens to me all the time. Yeah. So <laughs> really, no, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so I decided the product would be much better to sell and it's easier to brand. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense too. And then, just from my general e-commerce knowledge, like people would buy coffee over and over again, right? Daily, monthly, weekly, whatever. But they buy a brewery like that's once, it. Yeah. Once, and then you know, I figured I could plug them into a subscri subscription model, mm -hmm. um, which would keep me, you know, going as far yeah. as giving me recurring revenue. So, what's it like day to day for you? Um, are you working with your wife on this, or is it just you and? Uh, uh, it's partner? me. Okay. It's me. Uh, I do have an investor who meets with me and you know does consultations, okay. and things like that. And, 
Um, but as far as executing everything, it's all me. Mm-hmm. Um, my general day looks like brewing coffee. Mm-hmm. So I go into my shared kitchen mm-hmm. that I rent, which is uh, you know less than a five minute walk from my apartment. Please. And uh, I will get my brew going, uh, look at my list of uh, outgoing shipments that have already on their way to their destination to make sure they're all good. Mm-hmm. Um, I will batch out some cards yeah. and write personal cards to, to people who order okay. um, and just have that all together, do a quick inventory check mm-hmm. uh, and any sort of cleaning, any sort of organizing I have to do. Um, any sort of social media updating, mm-hmm. you know, just checking to see who's mentioning me uh, and just, you know, staying engaged with people. And, right. you know, that's pretty much the day in, day out. You know, it's just <laughs> it's, you know, real normal stuff. Yeah. Yep, right. Very normal stuff. Stuff you enjoy. Yeah. Which yeah. Is awesome. So, um, fortunately, uh, people really like my product mm-hmm. and they want to reach out a lot. So, yeah. you know, that's, it makes it pretty easy and it's really rewarding. I get messages all the time. People saying like, I heart you, Justin, and stuff like that, like literally. So, Does that kind of uh, keeps you motivated? Just kind of like the... Yeah, the yeah. it definitely helps. Um, you know, I'm the kind of person, so when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. my dad got me a, a creme brulee set for my uh, for Christmas when nice. I was 14. I was like cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, I always liked fine dining. Um, so when you have something that you really enjoy, you want to share with other people, like, you know, a favorite movie, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like whenever I make coffee and I share with people, it's like I'm sharing my favorite movie with right. people all the time. Nice. You know, just, this is my vision for coffee. Mm-hmm. I think this is what coffee has to offer and I hope you like it, you know. Nice. And when people actually do respond like, oh, this is great. It, you know, yeah, it definitely makes me feel good. So we met at Strange Food Chicago Festival mm-hmm. too. Um, how was that for you? Was that pretty successful? I mean, yeah, it was good. And posted yeah. up in the beginning. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, we uh, we weren't selling product there. Right. It was just everyone was, you know, giving out samples. And we got a lot of great feedback and, uh, you know, good exposure. And we got to also taste some really interesting stuff, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, unfortunately, I couldn't try the crickets because I'm allergic to shellfish and right. too closely related. Oh, really? So, yeah, it will, yeah. yeah, it'll make you sick if you have a shellfish allergy. But. Yeah, and uh, cricket tacos at um, La Casa de Samuel a couple times. Ooh. I really liked it. Yeah. yeah. I really want to try it, but I'm yeah. just, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so have you done any other festivals previously? Uh, no, not so much. Um, we're pretty new, so we started in 2015. Okay. And I just did a farmer's market, okay. and then um, the Argyle Night Market okay. was one that I did. That's actually where uh, I got introduced to Kang. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Have you done any competitions at all? Uh, just with myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, trying to hit sales goals, trying to hit quality, you mm-hmm. know, goals. That's it. You know, um, what I'm doing is still very much under the radar. Okay. So I'm just trying to turn it into a real thing that people recognize. Nice. Um, as far as there is a whole culture of competing within the barista world. Yeah. And I'm just not interested in that. You know, I used to be pretty big into latte art and now mm. I don't care about it anymore. You know? The only thing I really care about is just crafting really excellent coffee. So if there was, um, you know, ever a, another competition, like so, for example, um, I have done some competitions in the past mm-hmm. with my cold brew. Oh, so like the America's Best Cold Brew competition at Coffee Fest, nice. I competed in that twice. Okay. okay. Uh, the first time I competed, I got knocked out in the first round. Mm-hmm. The second time I competed, I made it to the finals. Okay. Nice. And I actually won the popular vote, okay. but I lost the judges' vote, so I ended up losing. How does uh, that second play place. out? Like. 
So, why, why, why would there be a popular vote if like it doesn't matter? Yeah, that's what I asked him. <laughs> that was my exact question. Because yeah. there's a popular vote and then there's the judges vote, mm-hmm. and the judges vote is heavily weighted, okay. so it counts. There are three judges, mm-hmm. and their total combined vote counts for forty-one percent of the score. Okay. So I calculated it, and basically, in order to win, if all three judges vote, vote against you, you'd have to get ninety-two percent of the popular vote. Okay. I got seventy-six percent of the popular yeah. vote. This so. is pretty good, though. But yeah. Yeah. So. You know, yeah. it was a good showing, but... It's always fun, like, you show up to have a good time, meet yeah. some great people. It was really interesting, yeah, good. so... There's always something going on with competitions, like, that you don't understand. Like, right. what's in the rule book? Well, I didn't feel like reading that 500-page rule book before well, I came here. <laughs> the funny thing about it was actually, by the rules that I signed up, mm-hmm. I actually won the competition because okay. uh, they said that the judges' score was 33% of mm-hmm. the vote. Um, and under that scheme, I win with 51% of the vote. Right. However, they had actually updated the judges' score to be... Uh, 41 instead of 33 but they didn't update that on the website yeah so i'm like when i signed up for this competition on the website right there where i signed mm-hmm. it said 33 percent. but you're telling me now that it's 41 but yeah. you guys forgot to update that <laughs> it's, it's fine whatever but you know it's like <laughs> it was a little frustrating in the moment but okay, so where do you see the company in five years from now man you know that's that's a real good question because I'm I'm on the precipice of you know a huge life event. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me and my wife are trying to have a baby uh, next year, so uh, that <laughs> that definitely could change just kind of my whole life trajectory in ways that I can't expect. Right. But in five years, I can anticipate you know having a, a fairly small team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd say maybe an eight person team. Um, I'm learning how to roast coffee right now, okay. so we'd be roasting our own coffee, nice. um, and we would just keep this going. You know, I'd hope to have just you know like my thousand true fans by yeah. that point. Just kind of find my real market mm-hmm. of people, everything self-sustaining, and I'd like to do uh, you know daily uh, video blogging. So awesome. maybe you know one of my uh, earlier hires would be just a media person who would mm-hmm. follow me around everywhere, recording everything, and I mean, that really connects well with. Uh, just people in general marketing right. is like uh, I'm on the board for this company called Stay Call and we're gonna do this like video this fun video whatever but it's just like us goofing around right. doing something stupid mm-hmm. and then just kind of promoting it so yeah. people get that opposed to come by this it's like yeah, exactly. no one cares <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so I very much want to show just like how the whole sausage is made and mm-hmm. you know just my kind of experience because I'm growing into a lot of different roles that I did not occupy ever before in life yeah. you know I'd just been an employee for my whole life, Mm -hmm. never an operator, and never a manager, you know. And now I have to be a self-manager, which is very hard, (laughs) an owner, a CFO, a COO, Mm -hmm. like all these different things I have to do Mm -hmm. uh, because it's just me. And that process of growth is a pretty interesting thing. Just, you know, I can see where I've changed and just some things where I struggle, you know. Um, I had to learn how to use Illustrator, for example, which Mm -hmm. was like something I didn't know how to do. And I, it was like pulling out teeth, but looking back a few months later, I'm like, damn, I'm good at illustrating now. So it's like, you know, like when you are going through it, it sucks because you just feel like, oh, God, this, you know, I'm terrible at this. It's not good enough, blah, blah, blah. But then when you actually look back, which I encourage people to look back at their progress all the time mm-hmm. and say, could you have done this when you started? And if you couldn't, feel really good about that. Oh, yeah. And yeah. So I feel good about a lot of the things that I could not do that were very challenging and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it took me longer to get to the point where I could do it than most people, right. but I got it done. Yeah. Cool. Do you have any recommendations for anyone out there looking to become an entrepreneur and what you've gone through <clears> so far? Hmm. Recommendations. So I, 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 I don't want to go the like kind of cliched route of, <laughs> 
you know, just follow your dreams or your no, passions. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, so I can just kind of talk about what I, what my process was like. Mm -hmm. um, start off by really scratching your own itch thoroughly. Mm -hmm. And I would say, don't think about getting attention and don't think about, oh, this is going to pop off on Instagram or people are going to go nuts over this. Really just find something that you actually want to see mm -hmm. in the world and then put it in front of people generously. Right. So when I started off with my coffee, mm -hmm. I gave it away to people with no expectation of getting anything back from them. Mm -hmm. I just wanted them to enjoy my coffee. Yeah. That was literally it. That's the only reason I was making it. And it's funny, like I didn't even plan on uh, you know, starting the business mm -hmm. until I felt like it had some sort of traction. So, uh, you know, there are some people who might be a little more like purebred entrepreneurs okay. than I am. And I think if you're, you know, really an entrepreneur, you don't need anyone to tell you anything. Mm -hmm. You just kind of do what you think needs to happen. But for those people who might want to be, you know, because I wouldn't call myself an entrepreneur. Okay. It's not like I can go out and just sell hats and be happy about yeah. that. You know, and I feel like an entrepreneur can really sell you anything. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a small business owner. Right. You know, I have entrepreneurial tendencies. Um, and one of those tendencies is I really have to believe in the thing that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you're scratching your own itch uh, thoroughly enough that you can believe in it and then share that with people with no expectation of getting anything in return. And when you finally do get something in return, if you do, then make something happen with awesome. it. That's really good advice. What are some of the ways that people can uh, find Kyoto Style Coffee? Uh, so they can visit my website, okay. uh, kyotostylecoffee.com, mm -hmm. and you know they can order some coffee. There's also... On the about page, a map of all the locations that carry my coffee okay. in Chicago. Just in Chicago. Okay, perfect. Yep. And also, uh, the coffee is available in all 50 states. I ship it out, so awesome. if you place an order, I'll mail it out to anyone. Well, we got a bank today, so we're pretty excited. Yeah. Like, me, a subscriber, <laughs> pretty soon. Well, appreciate you coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That was an interesting episode for sure. Such a great guy to chat with. I honestly know absolutely zero about cold brew coffee or even coffee in general. But I did have some of the Kyoto style black coffee that he gave me to sample, and I went from 0 to 100 in about half a second. <laughs> if you're looking for something cool, calming, and has a ton of caffeine, you want the taste of coffee, definitely check out the Kyoto style coffee. This stuff is so good. As mentioned, I'm not really a coffee fan in general, but I think I just changed. This stuff is fantastic. Check out KyotoStyleCoffee.com. This episode is sponsored by our friends over at StakeHall. StakeHall is a social wagering app for the next generation. With StakeHall, you can easily challenge your friends to games of skill or even be a third-party judge between mutual friends. Stake your hard-earned cash, a night out in the town, or even just your dignity. They strive to be the most entertaining and most interactive social wagering platform on the market. StakeHall is an app that you download on the App Store. Uh, right now it's on iOS only. It's soon to be coming to Android where you can challenge your friends to some fun games. I've challenged some friends to a game of ping pong. I've challenged some game friends to a round of hot wing eating contests. Right now I'm in the challenge of Movember. Things of that nature. Absolutely incredible. Ever have that friend that takes a bet with you and then at the end of the word doesn't want to pay up and says, Bro, we never shook hands? No longer a problem with StakeHall. You can put it up on social media, share it with your friends, get a third-party judge, problem solved. Check them out at stakehall.io. That's S-T-A-K-E-H-A-U-L dot I-O. Or go to the iOS and iOS store and download them. Stakehall. Check it out now. If you haven't already, 
please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.